You're listening to In It Together, the podcast. I'm Arun Roth. Today is March 1st, 2021. Coming up, restaurants across Massachusetts can now operate with no restrictions on capacity. That's the decision from Governor Charlie Baker. It's getting mixed reactions from health experts and from restaurateurs themselves. We'll hear from two. First, I'll speak with Nancy Caswell, owner of Oak and Rowan in Boston, and Brian in Newburyport, who says the end of capacity limits is scary but necessary. Then I'll check in with Emma Hollander of Starlight Management Company, who believes restaurant workers should be prioritized for vaccines. She says her company won't be seating people indoors until all staffers have been vaccinated. But before we get to that, we'll start with the latest numbers from the state's Department of Public Health. The DPH is reporting more than 1,200 new cases of the virus and 26 new deaths. This brings a total number of cases to roughly 551,000 and the total number of confirmed deaths to roughly 15,800. The test positivity rate landed today at 1.77%. With me now is Nancy Caswell. She's the owner of restaurants Oak and Rowan in Boston and Brine in Newburyport. She's also a regional representative for Mass Restaurants United. Nancy, hi. Hi, how are you? Doing okay. Thanks for making the time for us. We um, I, tell us a little bit first about uh, your your restaurants. I'm familiar with Oak and Rowan, N- not with uh, not with Brian though. Uh, but tell us a bit about both of them and uh, how you got into the business. Brian is actually um, eight years old. It's a it was a 47 seat restaurant in Newburyport. It's a an oyster bar, steak and oyster bar, very kind of casual, sleek mercantile space. With the pandemic, we are actually uh, moving into a larger space um, right next door, but um, it is currently in construction um, and then it'll become more like a 90 seat restaurant. Uh, And it's just focused on oyster farmers, local ingredients, sustainable seafoods. Um, And for Oak and Rowan, it's actually um, be about five years this year in business. Oak and Rowan is located in Fort Point on A Street. It's about a 180 seat restaurant focused on surf and turf, steak and seafood again, and um, really just uh, part of a a really new neighborhood because the seaport's forever growing and Fort Point basically abuts it. So it's uh, had some interesting transitions over the years. So tell us uh, how the last 11 months have uh, have, have been for both the restaurants. Well, they've been really challenging. as I started off by saying with Brian, um, it is a 47 seat restaurant and um, was a doing very well prior to the pandemic. And when the uh, pandemic happened in March 15th, this initial round of closure really presented some challenges for Brian. Um, it is a smaller space, so the capacity restraints here in the state provided us with really no real dining room. And for Brian's food, it's really hard to think about um, takeout because it is intended to be raw and eaten fresh and shucked oysters are really hard to travel. Um, and we ended up having to do several different um, pivots uh, in a way that we created um, chef pop-up dinners and more themed menus on a weekly basis um, to provide you know our quality of food and stay connected to our guests. However, Um, We also didn't want to compete with other restaurants within our neighborhood, and we wanted to be as collaborative as possible during that time. We did get outdoor seating from our city in Newburyport, which was great, and we had the opportunity to have outdoor seating in the summer. But being that the space at Brine is so small, it really presented its challenges in the fall and winter. And so we are hibernating and then made the decision to move into the new space 
that's now in construction. So a lot of evolving um, with Brine. As far as Oak and Rowan goes, um, we opened up after um, in late April after the shutdown to try to do some takeout. As I was mentioning, you know, this is a neighborhood that's been growing and has a lot of um, businesses and offices in the area. Unfortunately, with the office capacities um, and people working remotely, we saw a big decline in um, revenue um, and takeout really wasn't a strong push for us there. We decided to close again after a short stint at doing takeout and we reopened with an outdoor patio. Um, the outdoor patio, just like Brian, uh, worked for the season, um, all things considered, of course, but it, it did work. Um, and then uh, being with the winter being what it was, we decided to hibernate it after the holidays. And, um, and now we're thinking about how to not necessarily rebrand ourselves, but come back in a way that's more casual, more comfortable, um, we're thinking about ways that our guests are going to be dining in the future, um, shareable dishes, um, snacks that can travel well. Um, so people who are doing takeout have an opportunity to get good quality food in their home as well. So it's been a lot of ups and downs and certainly feels like we're flying blindly often. Um, in the last couple of weeks with some capacity increases, it feels a little bit more um, comfortable to start thinking about reopening and that's our intention uh, just the challenge is obviously that we're still uh, delayed on vaccinations here in the state so it becomes a problem for some frontline workers in the restaurants um, with opening up on a larger scale right well the, the state is is moving forward with uh, with reopening uh, at, at the end of March places like Fenway Park will be opened with limited capacity. Places like restaurants will, will are are going to be able to have uh, higher capacity than they have up up to this point. Now mm -hmm. they make these decisions depending on public health metrics, but not on uh, vaccination. Well, just just to be direct, do, do you feel comfortable with this degree of reopening w without any kind of corresponding requirements for 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 vaccination for for your staff? I would say that in Brian, in the 45 seat restaurant that it was, I mean, we can't reopen Brian now because we're in construction mode and we're taking this time to evolve the business a little bit. But for Brian, you know, in a smaller dining room space, I can see the challenges where there is a lot of time where the staff is working very closely to one another. Um, and I can understand why a lot of state independent restaurateurs who are feeling challenged by this because they do have small blueprints, especially in the city. Um, and it, you know, to work within 1200 square feet is, is challenging um, to, to try to get distancing as much as you can. So I can understand people's concerns with how do I get to this point of, you know, full capacity within a distancing um, format that's been introduced um, for March 1st. Um, with having, you know, re no real room for my team to, to be as distant as they can be as well while they're working. Um, I think with Oak and Rowan, we're certainly going to try. Um, we're opening in the next couple of weeks and we have a larger space there, which gives us a little bit more opportunity and room to work um, with a 5,000 square foot location. Um, there's more comfort and not having to be shoulder to shoulder with employees and working so remotely with one another and also using different spaces that we've now set up to um, service guests in a better way. So I, you know, 
am not feeling 100% on the idea of opening and not having vaccinations in place, or at least a day to look forward to. But I do feel like at this point, we have to stimulate the economy and get it moving in some way. And this has got to, you know, it's going to have to happen because, you know, we can't just be on pause for this long term and not be losing money. I mean, when it, restaurants are saying they're hibernating, we're not just like, you know, just cutting costs and not worried about it. It's we're mitigating expenses and realizing how much loss we're going to have in place as opposed to rolling the dice. Um, and so I, I do feel like it's certainly uh, going to be a, a long road ahead of us. Tell us a bit about how everything that we're talking about factored into both the, the selection of the new space for, for Brian and how you've been setting it up. Because I, I have to imagine it's not just about more capacity. It's about how you have the space arranged these days. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing that I'm, you know, trying to think about moving forward in when we come out of this, you know, and the slow climb to get there, you know, the reality is I find that a lot of people are probably going to want to dine with other people and they're wanting to socialize, of course. And so um, at Oak and Rowan, we have a lot more modular furniture that moves pretty good. So as, with Brian's new expansion, we're looking at open floor plans, the ability to move furniture, um, you know, together, if it's a larger group that grows um, throughout the evening, or even just more distance between each other, as opposed to being like on top of one another. Um, we're currently discuss discussing windows and airflow um, and quality of airflow. Uh, so there's a lot going into how to make people feel comfortable, even more so in a restaurant space. Do you feel like uh, I don't excuse me for, for like looking just all the way down the end of the road, but, uh, you know, hearing you talk about about uh, Brian and the history there, it just uh, I was just really savoring the idea of being able to sit at a bar and have a whiskey and some local oysters like around with a bunch of people. And um, are we going to get back to that at, at some point? I mean, I'd like to think so. I think that that's what every restaurateur has hopes for. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we took some downtime and tried to fix operational issues. And, you know, I think any restaurateur that haven't had this much downtime has been thinking about what's going to be different about my business coming out of this and what am I going to do differently? How am I going to operate differently? And um, what can I tighten up on? But you know, there's fear in place for sure. And I think that it's not just going to come, you know, at a flip of the switch. I think that while we can discuss capacities increasing and group events increasing so people can continue to plan for weddings and celebrate, you know, their nuptials or, uh, you know, plan to create a family around the, their wedding days and, you know, think about children and stuff like that. I think that those are all great well wishes and we hope to get back to that. And with the new capacity rules from um, Baker's administration yesterday certainly gives us the hope, but there's still fear there. And I'm not sure beyond just guests building trust with their local restaurateurs and independents and just finding a way to break through their own fear um, of dining out. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge is really how do we make those connections and how do we make our guests trust us? Nancy, it's been really good speaking with you. And uh, let, let's 
check in again down the road. We'll have even more to talk about. Love to. Thanks for having me. That's Nancy Caswell. She's the owner of restaurants Oak and Rowan in Boston and Brine in Newburyport. She's also a regional representative for Mass Restaurants United. Joining me now is Emma Hollander. She's the managing partner of the Starlight Management Company, which includes restaurants, parlor sports, and Trina's Starlight Lounge in Somerville, and the Paddle Inn in Newburyport. Emma, hi. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks for joining us. Thanks so, for having me. First, tell us a little, little bit about the uh, the, the vibe in, uh, in, in, in both of these places, or at least what the vibe was in, in normal times. Sure, sure. We're a neighborhood bar, a restaurant and bar, both parlors, actually all three, Parlor Sports, Trina Starlight Lounge, are connected in Inman Square in Somerville. And then we've got the Paddle Inn in Newburyport, which is which is the same. It's just a neighborhood, everybody all-inclusive, everybody's welcome, all walks of life, just restaurant, bar. Um, obviously, our bar isn't open at the moment, but just a really fun, laid-back atmosphere at all three. And uh, Parlor Sports uh, was closed last March? Yeah, we we closed Parlor Sports and Trina Starlight Lounge at the same time, which was the Sunday before the governor told us to to close down. Right. That's almost a year ago now. Um, And uh, now now you opened Trina's for for patio seating and and when the weather was was agreeable? We did. We um, really lucked out. We actually have a driveway in the back of the building that we were able, the city let us turn into a patio. Uh, we only got seven tables out there, but it was it was at least some something for us to be able to open in some kind of capacity. And then outside of that, we're just doing to-go food. And so how have things been uh, with, with both of these places in, in terms of the people working for you over the last year? Um, it's been stressful, I think, to say the least, because so we turned Parlor Sports, actually, we rebranded that when we opened the patio into Starlight Snack Shack, which we bought a soft serve machine and we built a counter so we could execute food and soft serve out of the Parlor Sports windows without actually having guests come into the building. Um, and then in on the Starlight patio, we we just turned that into seven tables, 26 seats, and really just worked through the summer and fall. And as soon as the weather got cold, we decided to shut both of them down and just focus our energy on takeout. Is it a, the, the space is, it wouldn't work for indoor dining because of the space requirements? In Parlor Sports, it would not. In Starlight, we didn't feel comfortable doing it. Um, I completely understand why restaurants are doing it, but for us, it we we had a staff meeting and we talked to everybody about it. As as the owners, we didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing it, but we were willing to do it in order for our staff to make a living. The staff did not feel comfortable doing it, and the the space is small. Um, I think it really would have affected the energy and the vibe of our, of what we have going there as well as we're really concerned about putting our staff's health at risk. So with, with those concerns in mind, um, what will you be doing going forward? You know, starting today, we, we the restaurants no longer have capacity limits. Of course, they have to social distance still, but the, the state is slowly reopening. What would that mean for, um, for you uh, and, we, and your businesses? 
We don't plan on reopening indoors until every single one of our staff members can get vaccinated. And honestly, it's 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 frustrating to hear that restaurants and clubs and bars can all reopen without capacity, but we're next in the in terms of getting vaccinated. We're essential employees and there has not been a date set where restaurant employees can get vaccinated. And that puts us at extreme risk. Um, specifically, you know, I, I feel like we've been talking about this a lot throughout the pandemic, but it's a little bit of a class issue. And we, we've learned that people of color are suffering a lot more and the death toll is a lot more with people in, of color and people in low income areas, which is a large amount of our staff and a large amount of the restaurant community are people of color in low income areas. And that's a major concern for us. You know, with you can't have a restaurant and have people wearing a mask 100% of the time. So to put people inside of our building where we're required to wear masks, but they're not, um, because they can't as they're eating and drinking, right? It really puts a majority of our staff in a really, really bad position. And we are incredibly concerned that any member of our team can get sick and nobody wants to get sick, but you know, something worse can happen. And that that's our top priority and our top concern right now. Oh, so I, I was going to be asking you where restaurant workers fall in the state's vaccination plan, but it sounds like they're, they are not in the vaccination plan just just with the you know any we are, differentiated group or yeah we are listed we're in um phase 2b so we're listed with grocery store workers and teachers um all as essential workers because obviously we can't do our job from home um so we we are next up there the initial plan was between february and march obviously we're in march now and i have not heard any kind of updated date or plan on how we're going to get all of these restaurant workers vaccinated, which is troubling, to say the least. Right. Well, I mean, let, let's talk about that in, in a bit more detail, because the logistics of this are obviously Im, Im, important. Um, what is it going to take? I mean, just think, thinking beyond uh, beyond your restaurant, but, but there are plenty of other places in similar positions like yours with employees coming from the similar groups we're talking about. There, there's not a plan right now? There's no plan. Um, we've been personally working on our own plan and reaching out to medical professionals that we know, friends of ours, asking anybody we know that if they have leftover vaccines that are going to go bad, friends at Cambridge Hospital, anything like that, if, if anybody knows of any kind of scenario where I don't want to skip the line in any kind of way, I, I think that the rollout is incredibly important and everybody needs to follow these guidelines. but. The fact that there is no end in sight for restaurant employees that we don't even know when we're going to get our first shot. So, you know, we all know that this is a month long process, at the least a month and a half for our vaccine to actually kick in. And now we're being you we're forced into a situation where do you want to stay healthy or do you want to put food on the table for your family? And you know, it, it, it just has put everybody in a really uncomfortable situation. And for restaurant owners, you're also forced to make that decision whether you want to put your your staff's health at risk or you want to be able to keep your restaurant open as well as if you don't, you know, our thing was if you don't reopen your restaurant, then your staff is going to go find a job somewhere else. And that's the 
reality of it and somebody else is going to have to put their health at risk you know and it, that's going to weigh on somebody else so we have found that fundraising for our staff um, has been the most efficient way to be able to make sure that our staff can pay their bills through the winter while we just do takeout but there is there isn't really you know i keep saying there's a light at the end of the tunnel but without an actual date of what that light is we can't even imagine putting a person inside without putting our staff's health at risk and their lives at risk really and the lives of their family you know and emma you you talked about this quickly becoming a class issue and you're describing a situation now where we might have restaurants or the businesses that are that are allowed to reopen but not everyone is going to be able to because of the vaccination concerns that, that you just laid out seems like a bad formula for for that uh becoming even more of a, of a, of a class issue and could that even affect what kind of restaurants are able to to survive this over the summer we had our guests every time a staff member approached their table put their masks on and we got very little kickback from that but i know a lot of restaurants that had a lot of guests have a big problem with that putting their masks on for staff and that's a class issue you know you want to be able to go out to eat and drink your martini and have somebody serve you and you know have a nice dinner out but you refuse to put your mask on to ensure the safety of the person that's actually doing that for you. It's the same thing as sending all the kids back to school and the teachers aren't vaccinated. So, you know, we, we've always been put in restaurant workers in general have always been put in a class where, you know, we're servers, you know, we're servants kind of thing. Um, where now I think that society is realizing how much they actually need to go out to eat and need to have that fun time with family and friends and restaurants and bars and how much not having your local restaurant, your local bar has really affected people. And it has, I, I think we're incredibly important to mental health. But until we can make sure that every single restaurant employee isn't going to get sick by simply doing their job, it's, it's completely unfair for us to, to have to choose as, as employees, as employers, as restaurant professionals, what the right thing to do here is. Emma, for, for you and your uh, your employees, your, your your own businesses, just for the immediate future, you, you mentioned how uh, you were fundraising to to keep uh, keep paying them. Yes. Will you be able to uh, to sustain that until you get to a point where uh, everyone can be vaccinated? Are you going to be able to to hang on? I think we will. Yeah, we are incredibly lucky, and we are one of the lucky restaurants. We have gotten some of the PPP money. We have been fundraising, honestly, since the day that we decided to shut down. I changed my Venmo account over to um, Trina Starlight and Parlor Sports Venmo. People have been incredibly generous with Venmoing us. Um, we have buttons on our toast with online ordering that you can donate um, certain denominations to our kitchen staff that gets divided throughout the kitchen staff, the entire kitchen staff, even the ones that are on furlough because about half of our kitchen staff is furloughed right now. And then we've been distributing our Venmo for throughout the year to all roughly 25 of our employees who have been on furlough. Well, Emma, it, it's been really good checking in with you. Um, let's talk again before too long. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. 
That's Emma Hollander. She's the managing partner of restaurants Parlor Sports and Trina Starlight Lounge in Somerville. Thanks for listening to In It Together, the podcast from GBH News in Boston. You can listen to the full show live Monday through Thursday on 89.7 FM if you're in the Boston area, or you can stream online at our website, wgbhnews.org. You can listen to full episodes there as well. Our show is produced by Amanda Beeland and Matt Baskin. Our technical director is Bill Piacitelli. All music written and produced by Elio DeLuca. See you tomorrow, and remember, we're all in it together. <laughs>